go. Hey, this is Kate Stalter of BetterMoneyDecisions.com. You are listening to Jeff Smith on Vroom Vroom Veer. Very well done. I like the way you enunciated, too. Done a lot of radio. <laughs> oh, excellent. Yeah. <laughs> done a lot of radio. Yeah. That's great. Okay, yeah. I'm going to go away and I'll be right back. Okay. Are you ready to thoughtfully steer away from your revved up, frenzied, and far too often scripted life? Then welcome to Vroom Vroom Veer with Jeff Smith, where he guides you down the road differently traveled by sharing unique experiences with guests who have managed to shift away from a life stuck on cruise control and veered their way into a more authentic and fulfilling one in all sorts of interesting and kind of remarkable ways. Get ready to Vroom Vroom Veer with your differently traveled road chauffeur, Jeff Smith. Pollock, thank you so much for being on Vroom Vroom Veer, and welcome to the show. How's it going? It's going awesome. Thanks for having me. So you're in Texas, but you don't sound like a Texan. What's up with that? Uh, I know. So I, I grew up in Southern California. Ah, okay. Gotcha. Yeah, the, That's where I, I'm at. I'm a Valley dude. Oh, so you were like Spicoli. I was. Well, <laughs> I, I never ordered pizza in my high school class, but I, I did. I tell you this, that I knew I would never need to leave Dallas when In-N-Out Burger set up shop here. Oh. Because every time I went to, every time, so there's yeah. two places I always went to when I went back to California, In-N-Out Burger and right. Tommy's. Right. Those are and the two burger places in California. They're the best. Yeah. So, and they're, they're and this. Tommy Boy is really good. Tommy, is it yeah. Tommy's or Tommy Boy? What? Tommy's. Tommy's. Tommy's, right, right. Original and they're yep. the they're, it's a chili burger, but it's not right, really right. chili. It's kind of a goo. Yeah. 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 No, I had it. And uh, it's it, fantastic. It is pretty awesome. You know, when, when I grew up in a very small town in uh, northern Michigan called Menominee, kind of remind uh, rhymes with monogamy. You know what it sounds like? It sounds like the Menomina. Correct. It's a tribe of Indian, tribe of Native Americans. Sorry. And uh, and it also means wild rice, but I digress. But the uh, the the In and Out Burger in Menominee, Michigan, is this um, little mom and pop shop called Joe's Wax, and uh, that's their name. I think it was Howie and Marshall, two brothers, and they made this hamburger with like on the charcoal grill, and was called the Wabash, and it was a heart attack on a bun. <laughs> Therefore, it was fantastic. Oh, my God. It's so good. They've changed it because the ownership has changed. But think of this. It was like a grilled hard roll bun and then two patties fused together with sharp cheddar cheese uh, on, uh, let's see here. You know that then you get the char from the the char, uh, the no kidding. Yeah, yeah. Grill. Right. And then to top it all off with your works or whatever. A big old pat of butter. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's terrible. Uh, terrible in a, the best way possible. Yeah, in the best way possible, exactly. I've heard people putting fried eggs on a, a burger. I haven't tried that, but they, people say it's, it's like having butter because the, the yolk kind of has this buttery flavor when it. Yeah. You need to change your diet plan because you you said you were like you were like me. You're getting old yeah. and fat. Yeah. So I, I've I've started playing around with uh, the Four Hour Body by Tim Ferriss. Oh gosh, I know. It's, but I don't like half the stuff he likes. I mean, I don't like coffee. So no, that's that's mm. the who's you that guy? Have, oh no, the coffee guy is a different guy. But I know coffee what you're talking. butter. Yeah, yeah. 
coffee with butter. <laughs> Have you ever tried it? Is. It's disgusting. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't like coffee anyway, so oh. adding butter is not going to help. Right, right. No, the Tim Ferriss diet is, to me, it's, it's awesome because most of the stuff on there I like. So you get to have butter as long as it's like from grass-fed beef. A lot of these things don't make sense. It's like dairy is out, but cream's okay. So I, I, I kind of want to ask him, you know, WTFO, you know, what the fuck, over? Yeah. <laughs> yeah well, I think, it, I think it has to do with uh, fat. I mean, fat makes you full. Okay. Fat does not make you fat. That's something that I know to be true. From right, right, right. Reason, but it's, you know... I just read an article that said that I don't know how we got on the diets, but I just, I just read an article. <laughs> you started it. Yeah, I, I did. Uh, with the In and Out Burger, um, I read an article that says that uh, gluten-free diets are increasing disease. Yeah. Well, the things that they're putting in those gluten-free substitutes are just as bad as gluten. No. Oh, okay. So it's just. Yeah. So you're not getting gluten, but you're getting you're something getting equally else. shitty. Yeah, exactly. Hell in a handbasket and Yeah. Well, you know, think about it. You can't fix one thing. I think that's the problem. Everyone's like, well, if I stop eating fat, it'll be great. If I stop Mm. eating X, it'll be great. And that doesn't quite work that way. I think that the key of any of these things is don't eat anything that comes out of a box. Cans are okay. You know, I, I eat everything out of cans, most of the stuff out of cans, like frozen veggies, organic beans from Trader Joe's. Cans are okay because they're fat. No. <laughs> it is in a can. So the ones out of the bottle, Coca-Cola from a can is better from, than from a bottle. Well, these, these, these rule of thumbs, you know, they, you know. <laughs> they're just that. Okay. We could talk <laughs> about diet forever, but that's yeah, not what we're here to do. Careful, <laughs> we're experts at it, so I don't even know why we're. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so let's talk about you and your business. So to start things off, you are John Pollock and your website's johnpollockinc.com, if I got that right. Yeah. So it's the business is actually financial gravity. John Pollock oh. Inc. is. My personal brand, I do public speaking because I've grown a business. I've gone public. So I've done some things that the average, I don't know, rank-and-file person hasn't done. We took a, we, we actually took a company public, and we were only doing about a million dollars in revenue. So wow. that's a whole story all by itself. But right. the, 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 the business model of financial gravity and my kind of my – I don't do elevator speeches because no one talks in elevators. So I do a cocktail pitch. <laughs> cool. My cocktail, I, I, I like it. That's yeah, better. my cocktail pitch is, people, what do you do? I help small business owners lower their personal income taxes. And the immediate question is, are you a CPA? To which I respond, when was the last time a CPA saved you, let's say, $1,000 in taxes? To which everyone responds, never. Mm. Then why do you think CPAs help you lower personal income taxes? Right. I don't know. I don't. It, I, you said taxes. I thought CPAs do that. They right. don't. Right. That's, that's, right, right, right. That's right. actually my fear is that this belief, I actually started doing very well in my wealth management business, making a lot of money, hearing on the news that rich people don't pay their fair share, looking at my tax bill and saying, if this isn't fair, I don't know what is. Uh, (laughs) Maybe I'm not rich enough. Maybe I'm not not able to pay my fair share. So that kind of started me down a journey, which is, how do I not pay my fair share? If rich people don't pay their fair share, how do I get richer so that I don't pay my fair share? Yeah. Or how do I use what they're using? You want to minimize. You want to minimize. Yeah. Yes. Well, and the, and the thing was is that I was convinced that the rich doesn't have like a secret passcode or a secret handshake that allows them to have access to 
super secret strategies. I mean, we're we're a country of laws, mm. and the Internal Revenue Code is it's public is information, everybody to use. That's so right. why can't I use the stuff that the rich people are, are using? And then sure. so I started interviewing CPAs, and that's when I discovered that the CPA exam does not have a single question on it regarding taxes. Interesting. Yeah, it's an accounting exam. It says so right in the name, certified public. Accountant. accountant, right? What is an accountant? An accountant is a numbers historian. That's literally what they do. They take what you've done and they record it in ledgers. a legal way. Yes. Yeah, ledgers and in using gaps, yeah. general accepted accounting principles. Sure. That's what an accountant is. They're not a tax person. Um, tax attorneys can help you with some of this more sophisticated stuff, but they're really expensive. And so, if I wanted to hire someone as a small business owner, a tax attorney really is kind of a you know sledgehammer to kill a gnat. So once I discovered this, I was like, wow. So rich people don't pay their fair share because they have access to tax attorneys, not accountants. They have access to tax attorneys. Mm. But all the laws that they're using, I can use. And there's no national company. There's no even local company that really teaches anybody how to do this stuff. Mm. And, you know, so this is like the uh, the you start doing this like at the beginning of the year, right? You start doing it, yes, all year. Yeah, all year, right. It's yeah, not like an event. You, you not, plan, yeah. right. I mean, that's the perfect way to explain it. It's not an event. It's not, oh, I got to start tax planning. April 15th is coming up. Right. Which, by the way, is too late. Because right. Because <laughs> it happens, has to happen within the year. It can't happen right. the next year. Right. That's, uh, yeah, April 15th is when to start strategizing for the following year. Not really. You need to work before that. <laughs> I really do, because, yeah. I mean, You're too late. People, yeah call it a tax operating system. You need to operate your life as if it's tax efficient. I'll yeah, give you a simple for example. Sure. I was with a buddy uh, at a hotel in Southern California, actually, in Beverly Hills. How's that for cool? Um, we are cool. we were at a conference, and so we're sitting at a, a nice, swanky restaurant in Beverly Hills eating lunch, and I asked him, I said, okay, so when you charge this, where does it go? He's like, well, I don't know. I, I just The bookkeeper will file it. I said, well, this is a meal, so do you think she's going to file it under Meals and Entertainment? Oh, yeah, I'm sure she will. I said, well, Meals and Entertainment are tax-deductible 50%. Mm-hmm. Travel is tax-deductible 100%. Right. So you're losing money if your bookkeeper puts this in the wrong place. Right. And he's like – and I said, what are the statistical chances that the bookkeeper is putting it in the wrong place? Well, it says restaurant on the end of the, the title of the receipt. Right. Therefore – Virtually guaranteed, the bookkeeper puts it in the wrong place. Uh, <laughs> what the bookkeeper should do is say, "Oh, you live in Dallas, you're in Los Angeles, you're on travel." travel. But they don't do that, and so that was another learning part of my learning experience: is that bookkeepers, even though they're touching the numbers, they don't think strategically about them. Right? They they are almost factory workers. As it's just, they do the same thing over and over. They put a number, they put it in a box. Put a number, put it in a box. It never dawns on them that the number can go in another box. Right. Um, and if your income, you know, triples overnight, they'll see that the numbers are tripling, but they won't pick up the phone and say, "Hey, your income is tripled. There's probably some stuff that you should do to not get hammered in taxes this year." That's not what they do. Right. So those those kind of two revelations led me down a path to create an entirely different business model that didn't exist and still does not exist other than ourselves in the marketplace. Wow. Wow. How's so that for beer? No, uh, that's a huge beer. 
Very, very big beer. Yeah. So, okay. So you seem very confident now, but you weren't always that way. So let's let's go back in the past and talk. Sure, we might was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> okay. No problem getting a date to the prom. <laughs> And I, didn't, I wasn't nervous at all. No sweaty palms. <laughs> I don't believe you, John. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Big surprise, right? That means my, my sarcasm detector is working. Yes, exactly. So so let's go back in time and talk a little bit about uh, the hellion you were growing up in Southern California. Yeah, I mean, I was, I was a, an, an average kid. I mean, I probably grew up in an upper middle class uh, home. I went to a high school called Los Angeles Baptist High School, which is, this is actually funny, a couple of years ago, it got bought. I mean, how, isn't that weird to have your high school get bought? Wow. I don't know what it is now, but it's gone. But uh, it was a, the reason my parents ponied up the money to put me there is at the time, uh, Southern California was doing busing, and I was going to be bussed into the barrio, and my parents weren't cool with that, so they, they I got into a private school, and, and so I went to a private school, so I had a really pretty solid education. Mm. Um, did not go to college. I, well, I, I, I went to college. I didn't finish college. Okay. Just not well, a fan of school. That's a story. <laughs> yeah, well, I didn't, I didn't like it. I was, I was working three jobs. I, I was a hustler, man. I like to work and, uh, and gotcha. Um, it's only in the last five years as I realized that my brain is literally wired to be an entrepreneur. I should have been one long time ago. It's really frustrating that I'm 50 and I've kind just of come into that out. Yeah. I'm just out. Um, wow. Of course, everybody around me is like, we, we knew this. Well, why didn't you tell me? Well, we just thought you knew. I didn't know. Right. Uh, no. Hey, so, I've got, I, I'm 47, almost 48. These things still happen every day. Yeah. It's like, it's, I didn't, you yeah. know, and people like reflect back to you how you're acting, and it's like, I'm not that way. Mm. Well, that's how everyone sees you. Oh, great. So do I fix it or I just roll with it? Right. So I always had a lot of drive, very, very driven. I've subsequently found through using a a product called Culture Index, which I highly recommend. Culture Index, okay. Culture Index for small businesses. Um, It's kind of Colby, Myers-Briggs, StrengthsFinder, all rolled into one. It's more accurate than all of them. And it's a a very good product. So we use it for all of our hiring. So through that process, I found out I'm in the top 2% of most impatient people on the planet. So that explains why I could not sit in a, a college classroom sure. going over the stuff I had already learned. in The first two years of college or high school review. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's just a high school review. It's just a waste of time. Right. And I just I couldn't, and I didn't really know what I wanted to do. So, um, and I didn't have good enough grades to get into my local schools. I was in, uh, I grew up in Canoga park, my college that I actually, we would actually break into the gym and, and play basketball. We never stole anything, but the in those days the locks aren't what they are today, so it was pretty easy to break in. Um, and we would play basketball. And in fact, the, the janitors will let us stay. It's like, what are you guys doing? We're playing basketball. All right, well, just lock up and you leave. Wow, different different time. Even yeah, in Cal. yeah. That's that's son. That was uh, Cal State University Northridge. Couldn't get in. Um, so there's a lot of things that can be said about that. Uh, but I couldn't get in and. You know, my grades weren't good enough, and I said, well, God, I don't want to go to school anyway. So so I just started working, and I found out I was pretty good at sales, so I got it into various sales jobs, and I just started climbing. And I kept, you know, everywhere I went, I would, would kind of rise to the top very quickly, get frustrated with the way the business was run, have all kinds of ideas on how to fix it, and they had 
you know, wasn't my business. It was their business. So, right. I didn't <laughs> and, um, so now, uh, you know, in 2002, I actually moved to Dallas from Denver from a, a company I was working with and hoped to get to a bigger market. Didn't want to go back to Southern California. Uh, didn't like the traffic. Mm. And the Dallas kind of had a similar climate as, as LA. And, what? um, yeah, it's very similar. It's surprisingly similar. It's muggy and in Dallas. Not well, muggy as compared to LA, but once you're here, yeah, it, LA doesn't, it, it doesn't, it's not that bad. Houston on the other hand, or Tampa or, you know, some of those. Yeah. Well, I lived in Panama city, Florida and that's muggy. That's, that's true. Muggy. Yeah, that's so, muggy. <laughs> but Dallas, yeah, anything, anything that. related, anything other than LA or Phoenix or a deserty well, place and, is, is humid. Yeah. And it's true. Actually, yeah. that's, that is true. Uh, maybe New Mexico, but it's, uh, so we came here the cost of living is really yeah, solid. Nice. Here. Yeah. Um, and so I, I got, Release from my employment within a couple of months, and I'm like, you know what? I'm done with this working for companies. You know, they. And this is 2002 now. 2002. Okay. And so I said, what can I sell? Because I don't have a college degree, so it's very hard to get a job because the HR departments, you know, get a hundred like resumes. Degrees. Yeah. And how, yeah. Well, they, yeah. How do I sort? You know, how do I choose who to hire? Well, I'll eliminate anyone that doesn't have a degree, so I can call the list. So. Uh, every small business owner you talk to says that they don't care about degrees, but every HR department does. So <laughs> you can't get small business owners. Right. It's, a, it's an interesting problem, but, uh, it's, it's changing by the way, because the educational system sucks and <laughs> you graduate with a degree that's ancient history. Everything you've learned is, is outdated by the time you get out. But that's, I, th- I see a seismic shift in the, the education system, but right at my time I didn't have it. So I said, what can I sell? I can sell insurance. Insurance is the highest paying product on the planet. There's no close second. It's ridiculously the profit margins. So I started selling insurance. A friend of mine said, so you're selling insurance? Yes. How much you make last year? I made a half a million dollars. Well, wow. you didn't make, well, yeah, but I didn't make a half a million. I mean, I earned a half a million, but I had a full-time staff person. I had an office. Mm. So I didn't take home a half a million. I see. And he says, well, John, what, I mean, how much money are you going to have January 1? I, well, no, I got to start over. I got, I got to keep selling. So anything that you did last year doesn't count towards next year. No. He says, well, you have a really crappy sales job. What do you mean? I made a half a million dollars. Yeah, but you really didn't. And he at the time worked at Oracle. He says, our guys make a half a million. And guess what? They have their staff. They go home at night. Uh, Everything's handled for them. They keep the half a million minus taxes. Well, that sounds good. That's better. Maybe I should change my business model. (laughs) Go recurring revenue model. So I started getting into wealth management business, assets under management, built a, a million dollar firm just within a few years. Um, and then that's when the tax thing happened. I, I and, and here's the situation that happened. I, I left the executive suite, built an office. The cost of building out the office was about 50 grand. So I stockpiled the money mm. and then in March the office was done. So I wrote the check to the guy, very proud of myself. Dave Ramsey would be proud. I, I paid cash nice. and I, I, I you know, wrote the check. And then a month later, it was April. And I learned something about the account, accounting and the tax code. When you pay $50,000 on a five-year lease, you only get a write-off $10,000 a year. Yeah. Number one. Yeah. Number two is I had the $50,000 in my checking account December 31 the previous year. So the $50,000, I didn't get the deduction at all. So now I'm having to pay taxes, 25%. 
on 50 grand. So now I've already written the check and I have a, a bill for 12,500 and I didn't have the money. <laughs> Ouch. And I'm like, well, okay, so I'm in financial services. I have an attorney that helped me set up my business. I have a, uh, an accountant and nobody told me these things. Right. How, how is this possible? And that's you're just supposed to know of, that apparently. Yeah, right? you're just supposed to know. And then that's when I started down the journey. So now Fast forward to today, I believe that there's two things every small business owner needs from an accountant. Number one, lower personal income taxes. There's over 130 strategies in the tax code that allow small business owners to let, write stuff off. Right. They're using first none of them. Right, um, right. Maybe two or three. Yeah, uh, they're, they're keeping the, receipts and, and doing They're keeping expenses. receipts, maybe right. tracking mileage, maybe. maybe. Um, so the, the second the second thing they need is numbers that help them run their business. So I went to my accountant and say, I need numbers that help me run my business. Well, we give you a balance sheet and a profit and loss statement. Well, I can't read it. And I'm one of those guys that I just say it. If I, it, I'm not embarrassed by the fact that I don't know how to read a financial statement. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> I can't read it. Tell me how to read it. And he would explain it to me. And I'm like, well, you know, I'm a reasonably bright guy. I still don't get it. And then he would explain the numbers. And I say, okay, but how do these numbers impact me? Yeah, tell me what it, well, tell me your story, today. Daddy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Where are the, where, how are these numbers? Well, they're, this is where you are today. I said, yeah, but it sounds to me like the data that I'm reading today was based on decisions I made three, six months ago that has trickled through the business. That is accurate, John. That's a terrible instrument. You're telling me that I'm learning today that I made a mistake six months ago, which, by the way, I've continued to make up to this day. So wouldn't it be better if I was able to see my mistakes within a couple of weeks? Yeah, there's no way of doing that. So I went down Whoa. two quests. He actually yeah. said you can't do that. <laughs> yeah, there's no way to do that. So, is this, this is the CPA guy, I take it. Yeah, and, and, and okay. I, what I found out, it wasn't. I thought, well, maybe it's this guy. I'll find another guy or another right, guy. Right, okay. And I found out it's, it's, it's an it's a industry-wide problem. It's a systemic problem. thing, yes. Yeah, because – That's just not their gig, babe. It's not their gig. They're, they're historians. And, and right. the type of mind, and this is how you need to understand people, the type of person that's attracted to CPA business is not the type of person that is a strategic thinker. Right. And no, not a risk taker. Yeah, yeah. So if you take a, an idea to a CPA, he'll, he's almost 90% of the time going to say, yeah, I'm not comfortable with that. Right, because he's just doing CYA at that point. Yeah, exactly. Because there's really no <laughs> CYA. Yeah. Cover your yeah. ass. Correct. Okay. Exactly. Just, so if you if you you know if you bring him an idea, he'll he'll say, "Well, I wouldn't do that. Why? Well, it could cause an audit. Why is that a problem? Are audits bad? Well, yes. you don't want one. Why don't I want one? I said, don't you make money on forms and hourly rates? Yes. So if I follow the law and get audited. It's not going to take a lot of forms and a lot of hourly rates to solve the problem. True. Then why would you care if I get audited if I use this strategy? It's really a strain. It's like they didn't even know how to. It's like they're they're right. you know robots that there's hate. They're about ready to explode. They they, they couldn't even <laughs> Does not compute. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That's a good point. I mean, gosh, my model actually is designed to want me to get audited. Wow. But they don't. It's, yeah, so yeah. it's very interesting. So our model is you want to get you, you want to get in that red meter of the audit the audit meter. <laughs> yes. Why? Why? You know. So obviously you don't want to get audited because it's a pain in the ass. But yes, and we don't we don't want you to get audited. But our model is we charge monthly. So if we get audited, we just have to absorb the cost. So we actually have a financial incentive 
for you not to get audited, whereas right. a CPA, but we're more aggressive with the code. Sure. We have a financial incentive to be not get you audited, but we're more aggressive. They have a financial incentive to be audited, but yet they're not. It's really kind of a it's cognitive dissonance is what it is. It doesn't make any sense. Well, th- to me, I think the it's just a whole different mindset where you think before you do sort of thing. It's like before we start, you know, making decisions and spending money, let's talk about our tax plan, you know, three years in the future or next year at least, you know, before we start making these big moves. Like I have to do that when I play around with stocks and junk. And, right. uh, you know, every you sell a stock now instead right. of one day from now, maybe a completely different tax rate. Yeah. And, you know, occasionally you kind of step in it and you go, Oh shit! <laughs> yeah, too late too. It's well, too late. it's not even a too late thing. It's just it's I, well, I I follow a particular strategy, and sometimes you know you have to be unemotional and just sell. <laughs> and there's no way around it, you know, paying those capital gain taxes, you know. But it's not like you know if I can avoid it. I do. You know, that's, that's what I say. I'm like, like, honey, I don't want to pay those taxes. I never, if I, if these stocks weren't going kaplooey, I, you know, everything would be fine. But, you know, sometimes it's time to sell. Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes <laughs> you know, it's time to just, sell. Yeah. Yeah. And you just can't avoid it. But at least I'm thinking about it before I do it. Right. And most people don't. So they right. don't understand. So like, let's use an example of a, a tax strategy. So we'll actually See yeah, some walk tax strategies people can actually use. Right. So, uh, first of all, a sole proprietor is five times more likely to be audited than an S corp. So, if you have a sole proprietor that's a hundred thousand dollars in revenue or above, you're five times more likely to be audited than S corp, and your right. taxes will go down. <laughs> so, it's my belief that the reason they audit sole proprietors that have a lot of revenue is because if you're dumb enough to have that and not fix a very simple self-employment tax problem. By just changing entities, they, they're probably doing something else wrong. Right. So that's my theory. I, I have no, <laughs> I have no empirical evidence to determine that's how the the IRS thinks. I've, but. I've heard uh, a couple of different stories there that like like I knew uh, a lady and then I met in massage school, and mm-hmm. her gig, her primary gig was doing music for TV shows up there in the valley, and then she was doing massage for fun, basically. <laughs> Kind of like me, um, yeah. but she said that she had a hard time avoiding audits with her her business. Uh, right, probably because she was doing so well as a sole proprietor, so she just should have set up an S corp. Yeah, I don't. And then it would have completely changed. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. You'd have to see her stuff, but right. that happens. But the strategy I'm going to give you is is one of those ones that would be discouraged by someone. Are you familiar with Dave Ramsey? Yeah. So Dave Ramsey is kind of the no get no debt guy. Right, But small business owners work in a different world. First of all, we're taking on debt because we want to leverage and grow. Right. Um, you know, He can make the case that you could build a business without debt, but it, it wasn't a sound one. I was, I've, I've been through his entrepreneurship. It's not very sound, sound, sound strategies. But give you an example. So if I earn 50000 and I have a 25% tax rate, let's say I pay twelve five. So now I have $37,500 in money to go buy a car. So did my car cost thirty seven five or did it really cost fifty thousand? Well it really cost fifty thousand because I had to and I use a, an illustration of a toll bridge. I earn the money, I have to pay a toll on that money before right. I get to use it for the things that I want to use it for. 
Right. What if I can use it for the things I want to use it for without paying the toll? Isn't that ideal? That would so be the better. question is, yeah, so lease a car. If you're a small business owner, you lease a car, the lease is tax deductible. Well, John, but that's not paying um, cash and, you know, there's interest charges. Okay. See, now so you're the, the first, you're are the like, first like money guru that has explained this to me. Yeah. No, and no one ever explains this because it's, it's like, well, you don't want to have debt. I've heard no. the, I've heard these business people like uh, that lease cars, but I never, nobody this ever explained it to me. Yeah. So yeah, if I earn because it doesn't, yeah, yeah. It makes sense for a business. And I cents, yeah. For a business owner, now that dollar is completely for the car. So now I can buy a a more expensive car, which is not advisable from a, a cash flow standpoint, but maybe I, I buy a cheaper car. I get a, li- a lease for 500 bucks a month. The, the lease is 100% tax deductible if it's used for business. And there's ways to, to, to play with that. Well, you know, if you get audited, they'll say, really, John, you never drove by the grocery store ever? All right, fine. We'll back out 10%. But it's still a better deal than paying 25% on the whole amount when you pay cash. Right. This way, I'm paying 3 to 5%. On interest, and I get the I get the deduction. So, and you can still and lease you always a car. have a nice nice new car. Yeah, and you can yeah exactly. So I list I'm I'm a I'm a kind of guy that I I just I'll just trade in my car every three to five years. I just some people will drive the wheels off. I'm not that guy. Right. I'm not really a car guy though. I'm not like a yeah. Not a very I'm, good, I'm with you. No, I I've got I've got like insight on this too. I keep a car until either two events occur. So as soon as the warranty is up, then I'm thinking about getting a new car. But I'm not going to sell it right away until something very expensive pops up on the repair side. Then it's time to get rid of the car. <laughs> That's not a bad strategy. So, right. I mean, even the Ramsey strategy is not wrong, but yeah. for a small business owner, it's not tax efficient. Right. This the is on the personal side. Dollars. Right. Yes. Yeah. 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 So... You know, and on the personal side, you know, I always tell my kids buy, you know, one to two year old. You can buy a a, a one year old car for almost fifty percent of the ticket price from a from a car rental place. Right, you get so you can buy a two thousand, and they're well maintained because they're fleet. They're very well maintained, and if you buy a sedan, people are like, "Well, I don't want to get a rental car because you know people are trashing them." First of all, you have to be twenty five years or older to rent a car. Number one, number two, if you rent a sedan, who's trashing a sedan? I mean, if I buy a Camry, I mean, it's not like the people that rented the Camry, not typically the trashed car type. Right. So you, you and they and they get cleaned daily, which is way more than we clean our cars. So, <laughs> so that's how I buy all my kids' cars. I buy I buy a year or two old. I usually buy them from rental car lots, and we get them at deep discounts. I mean, we bought a Camry with thirty thousand miles, two thousand sixteen Camry, and two thousand sixteen uh, thirty thousand miles for fourteen grand. Wow. I mean, it's that's. But Hertz has these, Enterprise has these, and we have lots here in Dallas. You have them everywhere. So mm. that's how, if you're going to buy cash, that's the way you do it. Mm. Um, because every car is used. The second it leaves the lot, it's yeah. used. Yeah, buying a, buying a new car is kind of, I don't know. I, the, the I, only I don't want to buy a new car. Leasing it. So that's why I tell right. people, if you want a new car, lease it. If you're going to pay cash, don't buy new. It's just, it's, 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 from a depreciation standpoint, it does not make sense. Uh, now, if you're some people are well off, and I had one client who sold his business for five million dollars and said, "John, I want a Tesla," and I said, "Well, then get a Tesla." He's like, "Well, you're my financial advisor. I can't believe you told me to get a Tesla." I'm like, "Dude, you're worth five million dollars. If you want a Tesla, buy the flipping Tesla. It's 120 grand. <laughs> Pay cash, wouldn't have it. Right. I mean, you worked your whole life. He was a, he had an HVAC company. You crawled in attics. 
you want a Tesla, buy it. At right. some point, you got to enjoy the money. Mm. So yeah, why not? Yeah. <laughs> you can so, afford it. So, yeah. So the, the car is one of our our things that we talk to small businesses about. It business entities is another big thing. Um, health insurance. Uh, you can set up a basically everything that's medically related. I buy braces. I buy I, all my dental. Um, so I have four kids. So braces, dental, doctor's visits, everything can be tax deductible if set up right. Mm. And that's pre-toll bridge, not post-toll bridge. Most people earn their money, pay the tax, and then go to the doctors and write their copay or yeah. you know get braces for their kids. Right. Well, would you rather pay for the $3,000 braces pre-tax or post-tax? Obviously pre-tax. Pre-tax. So there's yeah. ways of doing it. Yeah. So the tax code is, is really an embarrassment of riches, and the accounting industry should be ashamed of itself that they have not helped people with this, but they're, they haven't. And like large, old, ingrained industries like the taxi business, they're ripe to be disruptive. Right. We're, we're disrupting it. So we're That's happy awesome. that they're, they're, they move as slow as molasses because by the time they figure out that we're coming, it will be too late. Yeah, you know, and I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I mean, it's I think it's a it's a good idea. People might listening might be like, "Oh no, we're going to get audited, we're going to get in trouble." No. <laughs> right. So, so let's say you're making a half a million dollars a year, we say if you use these six strategies, your income will drop to 100. That's Who's going to like be audited? Someone that has an income of a half a million or someone that has an income of 100,000. Say that again? Oh, 100,000. No, some with a half a million. Remember, the, the IRS is a collection agency. Okay, so they want so more money. Collection agency, who are you going to collect on? The guy that has more money. Yes. Because there's, there's more likely. So if you if I use all these tax strategies to get you down to a hundred thousand, right? And I remind people they're all moral, legal, and ethical. We don't do offshore anything. Right. Um, right. It's all domestic. It's all within the code. In fact, when we give you a strategy and allow you to pick it, we show you the internal revenue code number that it is mm-hmm. so you can decide whether or not you want to use it. Now, there's paperwork involved, but we do all that for you. So it's we have tried to systematize. We're kind of hacking the tax code in a, in a sense. Probably shouldn't say that out loud. but <laughs> <laughs> Well, but everybody does it. I'm, well, sorry. Does. All you know, corporate raiders do that, right? That's, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, a 401k. Do you think that by putting money in a 401k and reducing your taxable income, increases your audit risk no then no. why do you think that writing off a home office increases your audit risk there are four ways four completely different ways of writing off a home office mm. so if your accountant has told you that writing off a home office is a red flag he's crazy because if it's a red flag why did they give you four different ways of doing it right it's like they want you to do it this is one of the things I tell people about the tax code is you've got reps and Congress. You've got, you got the House of Reps and the Senate that have to get any law passed. And then typically you have a president that's different than the, the – we don't have that now. But in, in, the, in general, right. you have some, some, uh, <laughs> some adversarial relationship between the House and, and the Senate and, and the president. So to get through the House, to get through the Senate, and to get past the president to pass a law – very difficult. It's even difficult now when you have the same party running the whole thing. Mm. So it's very difficult. So when it's passed, they want you to use it. They want you. To, <laughs> yeah, they, that's they true. Four ways of doing it. That's right. Why they went to all that trouble yeah. to make well, a paragraph? I, I actually, right. 
<laughs> I, I'm very Congress friendly. I want to use the laws that they gave me, and right. I'm, I'm 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 trying to help them out. And the reality is that the tax code is there for public policy. It's there to design and get people to do certain things. The reason the mortgage interest deduction is there is because the government thinks that home ownership is good, and we want to encourage it in some way. So this is how we're going to do it. Um, that's what the tax code's for. Is in, in essence, a way to manipulate the populace to get well, you to do things they do want things, you to yeah. do. Yeah. So no, I get why it. not use it? Well, and then, you know, like the only, because the, I don't really have a business. I have a sole proprietorship, but I'm not making any money. So it's not that big of a deal. Yeah. Um, but good then. yeah, you know, when you just have expenses in your business, it's pretty awesome. And no income. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I can't recommend for everyone. <laughs> well, it it is, it's good for taxes. That's, That's right. right. <laughs> One way not to pay taxes just make no money. Make no money. Um, the only the only uh, sort of situation that I am involved in is uh, I have to plan again for those capital gains because you know the big pile, right? right. And so I have to explain this to my wife that. You buy a thing. So you take money, you take cash, and you put it into a brokerage account, right? And some of those, you know, are 401k or maybe a Rothy kind of thing or um, an IRA, a regular kind. But I also have a taxable account. So that's probably my smallest account, but the one that I have to think about the most, right? And And I always really like whenever I see like, a little note from the newsletter, right? It says sell. I'm like, crap. <laughs> because right. when you, after you buy, okay, so you put money in the account, you buy a stock, a bond and a, a whatever, you know, an ETF, a mutual fund, an index fund, whatever you want to buy. Okay. So as long as that stays invested in that thingy, there's no tax event. Right. But when you sell it, then the IRS gets a piece. And, you know, every state is different. And in California, that's why we're moving to Nevada. <laughs> yeah, California takes 7% capital gains off the top. I'm like, I got to get out of here. So you're paying 15. Right. If you're a high income earner. Right. In today's tax code is 23.8. So you're paying 30, a third of I everything know. you make. Nuts. On your money. Nuts. Goes to people that did nothing. I know it pisses That's me nothing. off to no end. So yeah, so I'm I'm with you. Part of my uh, tax strategy is move to Nevada. <laughs> Where hey, a lot of people are moving to Puerto Rico too. If you stay in Puerto Rico, fifty-one percent of the year, there's like seven percent total federal. Really, all in. Why? And, and so if you're Puerto okay to go really to Nevada, nice you're obviously too. okay with being hot, right? <laughs> It's a different so kind maybe, of heat, though, Sarge. Yeah, you might want to double down and just, you know, go, yeah, it's a lot different kind of heat, too, yeah. Yeah. Uh, to, so it's, it's desert or tropical forest. Right, right. One's wet and, uh, and one's dry. Right, exactly. So I think I prefer it, dry. Yeah, I do, too. So I've, I've been to Puerto Rico. It's, uh, you think, yeah, it's, it's... Well, it's a nice place to visit, just like everyone. Yeah, it's, it's I don't Florida like, times. It's Florida, but wetter. You... Yeah, it's really <laughs> sticky. It's, like it's very, very weird you, what you can get used to, though. Now it really is. I mean, here, you we, here we are back on weather. Yeah, yeah, we've been for that. So we should start. So we should get off the go on the cheeseburgers. Correct. Ah. 
I'm ready to wrap up. Have we did? Yeah. Hey, we've gone full circle, so we we might as well. Yeah. Let's wrap up. So say your URL one more time for us. So we know. I want to give you a couple things. Yeah, please. Financialgravity.com. Okay. But I'll give you guys a free gift. So we've, we've kind of touched on some strategies, but if you text, uh, the word tax book, one word tax book to three, three, four, 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 you'll get a, a text. You'll put in, uh, the word tax book, you send it, you'll get a, a text back saying enter your email address and then we'll send you a book on the 10 biggest tax myths that cost small business owners thousands. So a uh, great little book, ebooks, probably 20 pages, but it will give you a lot of ideas that you can take to your accountant, actionable ideas. If you take it to accountant and he says, I would not do this, fire them. <laughs> that simple. Because nothing uh, to recommend is not a hundred percent legal. We have a uh, tax attorney on staff. The so- the software that we use, uh, in fact, we bought the company. Uh, the software that we use uh, has been in business for ten years, and they have five hundred CPAs and EAs on it. So wow. everything we do is above board. We don't want to. Yeah. We're not trying to poke a bear. We're we're just trying to get you what you deserve. I mean, if you've right. earned the money, you should keep the money. It's a game. And, and you got to play it. Babe. It, it, that I say that all the time. You, I don't, I don't, John, I don't like the game. I don't know what to tell you. It's this is it. You're here. Get on I with like, it. <laughs> I, I don't like the fact that I'm getting older and fatter. I mean, I don't like that. But <laughs> I want to. I can't solve. I can't solve the old part, but the fat part I have control over. There you go. So control what you can control. You can complain about the weather, but you can't control it. But don't complain about the taxes when you have the ability to control it. Amen. This has been a blast, John. It has. <laughs> Thank you so much. Definitely. All right. Thanks for having me. All right. Talk to you later. Thanks for taking the time to ride along with us on another episode of Vroom Vroom Veer. For podcast info and show notes, be sure to head over to vvveer.com. That's triple V-double-E-R.com. Man, that's fun to say. And we'll catch up with you next time here on Vroom Vroom Veer. Vroom Vroom Veer.